Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where tour players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every week as he talks with the greats of the game. You are the smartest guy I've spoken to on radio or television in my career. And Chris, again, you are, you're knocking out of the park. You're like eight under par in this interview. By having any research, I'm hiring your tail to be the research man. You're the best. You're a fantastic host and tremendously respected in the golf community. Yeah, Chris, you do an amazing job and your listeners are super lucky to have you and it's always my pleasure. Chris Carroll is the king of the golf podcast. Don't miss him on Tuesdays. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and welcome to Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. And thanks for being here and making Next on the Tee a part of your golf content. I appreciate it so very much. Tonight, I've got four great guests that I'm excited to share with you. Three of them have become wonderful friends and have been joining me since really the very early days of this show, and those three happen to be three of the top instructors in our game. First up of those three is going to be my paisan, Rob Strano. You guys know Rob from hosting the Golf Kingdom TV show, which you can watch out on Roku TV, Blab TV, or on YouTube on his YouTube channel. It's the world's most watched golf variety show because Rob is so innovative, and he makes learning the game so much fun. And you're going to see why when he joins me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to be joined by Rochester's own Brian Jacobs. Brian is one of the most positive individuals you'll ever meet, which is why he's a great instructor, and he's always among the top instructors in the state of New York. When you take lessons from him, he's going to make you feel special, and he's going to take your game to new heights. Very excited that he is back and going to be a part of the show. He'll join me about 25 minutes from now. Later on in the hour, my man Eric Johnson is going to be back. And not only is Eric one of the top 100 instructors in our game, and he's been named so every year since 2011 by Golf Magazine, but anyone that knows him or has ever been around him is going to tell you the exact same thing, what a great instructor he is and what a great guy he is. He was also named a top 40 under 40 at one point in his career. He was a longtime director of golf at Oakmont Country Club. He's now out. He's now out in Big Sky, Montana, which I keep trying to tell my wife that's where I want us to move to one day. But Eric is a, a great friend and a great instructor, and he never holds back. So look out when he joins me about 45 minutes from now. And then at the top of the next hour, we're going to get a visit from Greg Sabella. Greg is the VP of Marketing for Unicor. They make fantastic launch monitors and simulators, the kind of launch monitors we all wish we had in our basement or in our garage or wherever we have space for them because they're absolutely fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about the great equipment and the great things that they're doing. He'll join me about an hour from now. So we're going to have a lot of fun tonight, folks. And as always, I can't thank you all enough for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. I want to start out tonight by reminding you about our friends at the Macklemore, which is a private resort located just south of Chattanooga, high atop Lookout Mountain, Georgia. It's a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the United States by Golf Digest. The 18th hole, as a matter of fact, is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world. A second course, the Outpost, is now under construction, which will open summer of 2024. 
The Outpost is another Bill Bergen Reese Jones design and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge, with every inch of that edge filled with a golfle. A world-class hotel, Cloudland Lookout Mountain Curio Collection by Hilton, will open spring of 2024. Both the course and the hotel have incredible views into historic Macklemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You gotta see it to believe it, folks. Stay, dine, and play golf above the clouds at Macklemore. Go online to macklemore.com to book your stay and play package today. Now let's talk grips. I want to tell you about Lampkin grips. Every shot, as you know, has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Composed of their Genesis material that provides supreme comfort and durability, with their fingerprint technology, creates a strong connection and unforgettable touch. The game changes from shot to shot. The feel on your hand shouldn't. Lampkin. Feel is everything. I also want to remind you about the all-new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things we all want. Distance, and let's not forget, forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the Stealth 2 driver with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. To learn more about the new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade, visit them online at TaylorMadeGolf.com. Okay, now back in making his 17th appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is one of the all-time great instructors and one of my all-time favorite guests, and that is Rob Strano. You know Rob as the host of the Golf Kingdom TV show. You can watch the Golf Kingdom on Amazon Fire TV, Blab TV, Roku. You can also subscribe to his YouTube channel and watch it on there. And folks, if you're anywhere near Destin, Florida, go see Rob at his Strano Golf Academy at Kelly Plantation. He's going to make your game so much better, and you're going to have so much fun doing it. He's a great friend, like I say, one of my favorite Paisans, and I'm honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Rob, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Chris. Great to be on again 17 times. Really, I'm just sitting here thinking, what are some things I've done 17 times that I still enjoy doing? And that's a really short list. That's a short bus to be on. And I'm, I'm just glad that this is one of those things I enjoy every time I get together, like I said, with my favorite Italian brother. I appreciate you so much, Rob. So, Rob, we haven't uh, we haven't really talked much, especially not here on the show since this whole PGA Tour Live Golf merger partnership, whatever you want to call it, since that thing was announced. And you've been pretty outspoken about how much you dislike Live Golf. What do you think when you heard the news? I, you know, I was really shocked by it. And, you know, I, I've said all along, this has got nothing to do with the Saudis and the Saudi money. That's that's number 75 on the list of maybe things that aren't aren't right with the whole deal. The whole world is monetarily entangled anyway. My whole thing is I I don't like the live all shorts all the time, the loud music. You know, you can color me a traditionalist and a historian of the game, and and I accept that. I, I love the professional etiquette of the game. I love the traditions of the game. I love the great golf courses and the fact that you know, you don't wear your hat on backwards. You you tuck your shirt in. And I just don't understand it, Chris. I really don't understand the whole thing because this is the American golf tour. It is the professional tour in the United States of America. And that's what it's for. It's for that. If you want to play somewhere else, go somewhere else. We're going to play in Europe, Australia. There's tours there, but 
the PGA Tour is to run events in our country that benefit the charities in the local communities and the traveling circus comes in and the players make money by performing and putting on a show. And that money flows back to the great charities like St. Jude's. And, you know, one of my favorite tournaments is the Sanderson Farms in Jackson, Mississippi, that, that benefits the Century Club charities, which is the children's hospital there. And I just don't see how any of this works in the, in the framework of this is the American tour. Why do we need all this? I mean, I said this to someone today. I get asked about it every day and I'm really tired of it. I'm at the point of really not caring about professional golf anymore. And someone asked me about it today. I said, you know what? The PJ tour is two years away from everybody wearing shorts all the time. And I'll stand by that. They're, within two years, the PJ tour will be all shorts all the time and on all players. And, and at that point, it's just, you know, why bother? <laughs> Interesting. To, to your point, Rob, I mean, I think you go back, what, 12, 15 months ago, and when the whole lift thing kind of got off the ground, one of the things that, you know, we, we said we'd never be here, right? Jay Monahan, they said, you know, with this, this merger, this thing would never happen. Um, I think Phil and, and a couple other players had gone to Jay with some different ideas about what to do and what they wanted to see on the tour. You mentioned shorts. I don't know if that was a thing. Certainly wasn't at the time, but they had other ideas. And it seems like, when they after Monahan said no and Liv got off the ground, never thinking that it would ever get get legs, and it did, and then they started to slowly do everything that Liv was doing outside of shorts. That seems like that's the only thing left that they have to steal from Liv, and and I think you're right. I think you know, whether it's a year or two from now, I think that'll be a thing on the PGA Tour. And I, I'm not as as much of a traditionalist in that sense. Uh, you know, we all wear shorts. I don't care if they wear shorts or not. But it, it just seems to me we could have avoided all of this if Jay had just listened to the players. And I don't know if it was arrogance or what it was that, that thought, you know, hey, that live thing's never going to get off the ground. And, and all these new ideas, we've been doing it the same way since 1968 when the tour became a thing. So we're just going to keep on doing it just the way we've always done it. But as you know, I mean, in, in business or anything, you can't do the same thing you did for 40 or 50 years, you got to evolve a little bit with the times. I don't know. Who's to blame for that? I guess the bottom line is, Rob, who's to blame for this? Well, here's the timeline where I think everything went off the rails. Um, We had Dean Beeman as the commissioner who was a former player. And and I equate the PGA Tour where it's going to ESPN and Golf Channel. Let me equate it this way. So we went from Dean Beeman, a player who was part of making the tour what it was. He understand what are the, understood what the players wanted, what the tour was. And then we got Tim Fincham. And, 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 and Tim and I were, we, I want to say we, were, we knew each other friendly or anything like that. But when he saw me, I saw him. He knew who I was. I knew who, uh, obviously he was. We were on a recognition basis. But he was an attorney, okay? Then we got Monaghan, who was, who was Fincham's right-hand guy. We don't have any golf people running the American golf organization. And years ago, the, the, the conversation was had that Joe Ogilvie would make a great commissioner. Now, Joe was a, a tour player, had played out there, went to Duke, smart kid. I knew Joe from when Duke was, was my home course. So he and a bunch of the guys there, I practiced with them, played with them. I knew Joe, smart guy, but golfer, loved golf, understood the tour. Same way with Golf Channel and ESPN. 
So ESPN got bought by Disney. Disney. Okay. ESPN, their thing was, here's sports, watch it. Now Disney buys it and it's here. We're going to talk about sports, but we're not going to hardly show any sports. Now watch it. Same with Golf Channel. That was Mr. Palmer. We had golf people running Golf Channel. It was golf, golf, golf. And Comcast bought it, not golf people, corporates. And they've totally, I mean, they've most of the guys I ask or, or offer comments to me about being a Golf Channel guy, they'll say, I don't even watch Golf Channel anymore. I can't watch it. You know, I don't watch it. And I, you know, when when certain entities get a hold of something that aren't, um, the what I want to say, the people that understand what it is, it just it becomes totally diluted, and you end up with something that you look at it. Like I said, in a couple of years, I think you're going to look at the PGA Tour and go, "It's going to go the way of NASCAR." Is what it's going to do. You want <laughs> look at the stands at a NASCAR event right now, and yeah. there's nobody there, nobody there. And you know what's interesting? I had this thought, Chris, and. Help me with this. The PJ Tour, Tiger Woods comes along, and all of a sudden, there's a huge influx of marketing money and interest in the tour because of Tiger Woods. And Tiger was arguably as great a player as Nicholas. They're they're one A and one double A. You know, it's it's a great look at their their stats to say who was greater. But Tiger brought a spotlight that brought a lot of money to the tour. And rightfully so. He deserved that. But the problem was everybody else felt like or feels like now they deserve Tiger money. The 50th ranked guy in the world feels like I deserve my chunk of that pie. And I'm like, well, no, you're not understanding what the PGA Tour is. Like I just described, yes, you can make a living at it, but it's not about making 40 million, 100 million a year like Tiger Woods did. You're not Tiger Woods. Am I wrong in thinking that way, Chris, or having that thought? No, I mean, obviously, you know, the PGA Tour forever has been the ultimate meritocracy, right? You either yeah. either win, win, win or place, or or you go home with nothing. So, you know, I get that. Um, and yeah, n- not everybody is going to get that kind of money. I, here, here's where I think it went. It got really out of hand for the PGA Tour and for Monaghan. We they wanted to do these elevated events. I mean, $20 million purses. I mean, heck, the majors don't even pay out $20 million in purses. And the sponsors started to, you know, they started to squeeze the sponsors for more money. Because, And and we all know they were never going to outspend the public investment fund or the Saudis. I mean, what the PGA Tour has in total is a rounding error for what the the PIF has. So they were never going to be able to outspend (laughs) them, right? Right. and, 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 and they were going to try to, and you know, and and you know, the 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 fund, you know, for the players that you know, got the most clicks and eyes. That you know was really just nothing more than we need to pay Tiger Woods, you know, ten twenty million dollars a year, even though he's not playing on tour. So we need to figure out a way to do it so it doesn't look shady. Hey, let's do this social media thing. Yeah. So they did that, and you know, and even when Tiger didn't win and Phil did, they still gave the money to Tiger. So it's you know the, the idea that they were going to continue to have these elevated purses and be able to squeeze sponsors for more and more and more. And we just saw AT&T left the Byron Nelson because they're going to quote unquote focus on, you know, their own tournament at Pebble Beach at the beginning of the year. It was just going to be unsustainable. 
So what were they going to do? They're going to have all these elevated events that they couldn't they couldn't afford. And then the PIF was going to spend them into bankruptcy by going to court and dragging it out for as long as they could. And the attorney's fees and all that sort of stuff. And pretty soon the money was going to run out in the reserves and and the PGA Tour was backed into a corner. So what do you do? Well, I mean, they, they had to you, know, you can't beat them. You join them. I, it it, yeah, it I, just I, feels bad to me, Rob. I Yeah, it, it just I don't like I said, I think in in. My fear is it goes the way of NASCAR where no one cares and your points on squeezing sponsors, that well is only so deep. Right. And once again, I don't think they read the room correctly. And going to the PIF and the legal side of it, if you're the PJ Tour and you don't want anybody to see your books, well, there's a problem there. Right. Okay. Their, their books should be open. If they are who they say they are, here's our books. Go ahead. You, you can look at them. There's nothing we're doing that doesn't match what we've been told to do. You know, our accounting, our accountants are doing, our attorneys are doing. Everything looks on the up and up. I don't understand that. If, they should not fear any legal proceedings that involve looking into their books. And if they do, then you better fix your books. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that's what you, I think you're right, Rob. I think it, that is what it comes down to is they didn't, neither side really wanted anybody looking into their books. Um, it always has sort of made me shake my head with the PGA tour and the NFL for that matter. Yeah. They're both, they're both are nonprofit organizations. Like really? Okay. <laughs> um, you know, so where, where's all this money coming from and where are all these reserves coming from? If you're, if you're a nonprofit, but that's, a, that's, you know, their thing. Yeah. But, you know, anyway, I'm sure nobody wanted anybody looking around in somebody's books and all of that sort of stuff. And so this is where we're at. I just, you know, on so many levels, Rob, and even, you know, as a former tour player, you, you've been out there with these guys. I mean, on some level, they got to feel betrayed by this whole thing. First of all, they didn't know any of this was going on. And then they got hit with it just like we all did. And we still don't know what the details of this partnership or merger, whatever you want to call it. Um, but as a player, if you were still out on tour and you heard this news, like most of them did over Twitter, I mean, do you feel betrayed? Do you feel like, who am I working for now? What am I doing out here? You know, can I trust these guys? You know, we talk about, is there a way back for the live players to get back on the PGA tour? I'm starting to wonder, is there a way Jay Monahan makes it back to the PGA tour? Um, yeah, yes to all that. There you go. <laughs> you, 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 you answered it's, it's, as as a player, and I always joke, I'm the I'm the Moonlight Graham of tour players. Um, <laughs> get the reference, um, but you know, but but a hundred percent, yeah. I mean, I'm like, what what are we doing? You know, when when I was thinking about what we might talk about in the show, I made a list of places the tour doesn't play anymore. Talk about losing your way. There's no event in Chicago. The Western Open used to be a staple of the PJ tour for the Evans scholarship fund in Chicago. There's no event in Chicago. Boston doesn't have event, an event. They played at Pleasant Valley for years there. There's no event in Boston. There's no event in New York city. West, they used to play at Westchester every year there. Right. No event in New York city, nothing. And then you look at other markets like Denver, St. Louis, where I grew up, which is an awesome golf town. Um, Philadelphia. There's all these big markets that they either used to play in like they used to play the international in Denver that we don't, they don't even go to anymore. And it just, once again, losing your way 
on what the tour is, who it is, who it's for. It's It's been a slow, um, just death by a thousand paper cuts inflicted by the last two commissioners, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So where do we go from here, Rob? To your point, if we don't have a golf guy leading the PGA Tour, I mean, you remember, I mean, you go back to 68. I mean, that's that's why... Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer and, you know, those guys broke away from the PGA of America because they wanted to have a say and kind of run their own tour. And that's how the PGA tour came about as a wholly owned subsidiary at the time of the PGA of America. Now it's different, but um, it seems like we do need a guy. And I don't know if Joe Ogilvie is the right guy, but it seems like we need a golf guy, someone who's played on the PGA tour. Is there a guy out there like that? And I'm not making, you know, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Like, yeah, it should be this guy or that guy. But, but is that where you think we need to go? I mean, Monaghan needs to step aside. I mean, goodness knows, he's as soon as he delivered that message prior to the Canadian Open in that players' meeting, he has essentially gone into exile from that moment. Mm-hmm. But is that where you think we need to go? We need a golf guy back in there as, as the tour commissioner? I'll throw out a couple names that come to mind real quick. Um, and I'm smiling as I say it because I'm going to say these and it's just going to be, oh, oh. Really? Oh, my gosh. Um, first name that comes to mind, Paul Azinger. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Azinger. Here's, yep. here's one that made me smile. Johnny Miller. Oh, wouldn't that be something? Johnny Miller. I think Azinger would be a great commissioner. I'll, I'll throw in a middle-of-the-road guy now. Those are two, two, you know, two strong, strong personalities. I'll throw in a middle-of-the-road guy. Davis Love III. Mm, yeah. Policy like board that. guy. I believe he was policy board guy too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like those. So far, yeah, so I good. I don't think any of those guys would 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 be a bad choice. I just I believe the NFL should have a a football guy running it. Basketball should have a basketball guy. Baseball, a baseball guy. Hockey, a hockey guy. Right. You know, we get these guys in there that are supposedly good with business, but they don't understand the game, and the game suffers. Right. And and I just I think if I, I don't know that the ship is writable now, I just don't. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, you know, going back to the question, is there a path back for Jay Monahan? I mean, like, where does the game go from here? It seems like whether this whether this partnership gets approved and you know we're, wherever we're at by the end of the year. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I again, if I'm a tour player and I found out this way, I you know, and I, all the things that you preach to me for the 12 to 18 months, depending on when you want to think this thing started, you know, don't go over to live. Don't take the Saudi money, the dirty money. We stand with the families or nine 11, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then you do it. And then, you know, here's the other thing that drives me crazy, Rob, you want to talk about, Oh, the players coming back, you know, from live should, whether they should be suspended or do we find them and all that sort of stuff for what, for doing what you just did. How are you going to find and suspend those players? You just did the exact same thing that you're going to find or suspend those players for. Come on. I don't, that's where it it all drives me crazy. Yeah. The web that's been knit is so tangled. It's here's, here's what the PJ tour is right now. Okay. The PJ tour is now you got to use a little imagination out there is a 500 bulb strand of Christmas lights. That you threw in a bin, <laughs> and now you've got to untangle it. Yeah, 
That's a good visual. I like that's that. That's what it is right now. You're, you're going, oh, I'm just going to throw it away and start over. I'm going <laughs> to exactly. go buy 500 bulb strands. And you're, you're just going, this, uh, is a, this is a nightmare. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And maybe I should use icicle lights. Those are even worse. <laughs> but I think you're exactly it's, right. It's just a mess. It's a gigantic mess. And I, I, I lost interest a, a while back in it. I mean, Ricky Fowler won this weekend, and you know how much I cared? Not much. I didn't see a minute of it. So, th- so that's a big wow too, because that you know, I, 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 let's let's switch gears a little bit. Um, and we'll both yeah, get please. off on a this rant. Is, yeah, yeah, we, this, yeah, we we need to move on to something else. It's, and I was going to ask you about Ricky Fowler, and in, in this in this vein, because Ricky. Keegan Bradley, the, the, both of those guys were essentially left for dead not that long ago. I mean, both mm-hmm. guys hadn't hadn't played well, hadn't won in a really long time, and now in the last couple of weeks, they're both winners. So maybe you know, not in the vein of what do you think about Ricky's win or, or Keegan's win, but for all of us, you know, when the game disappears on us, and and it seems like you know we can't we can't hit the ball straight anymore. It's going left and right, and we're shanking it, and we're doing this, that, and the other thing. When we've lost it. How do you help your students get it back? Well, great, great question. And it's a little different when you're at the tour level. I just did a segment on my latest TV show, which you can also, like you said, watch at the YouTube channel. They're all there. Um, uh, I do a, a segment at the end called Time to Rise, and it was about the believe sign uh, on Ted Lasso. And tour players, we always believe we're one something away from all of a sudden, boom, here we go. And I tell a funny story about Bill Haas when he won the tour championship, whatever it's been a dozen years ago now. Growing up with the Haas and Goldies, I know Bill. So I do an event at Eastlake every year there. And try to think of Tuesday, there's no spectators allowed. Monday, Tuesday, spectators are allowed Wednesday only. And then for the tournament. So I'm walking the course, making sure everything is good for my event the next day. And I run into Bill. And I, he gets up on what is now 16 and hits a shot into the right trees. Tees up on another one, hits it farther into the trees, and we're chit-chatting, walking off the tee. And I say, hey, good luck this week. And I turn to go in the clubhouse. And about four steps later, I feel someone over my shoulder. I look back, and it's Bill. I go, what are you doing? He goes, if I'm going to hit it like that, I'm walking in. So we walk in together. This is on Tuesday of tournament week. He walks off the course. And that's back when that was only the seventh hole. That wasn't the 16th hole. He only right. played seven holes. So I'm watching the event come Sunday in contention. He pulls off the win and I text him and I said, Bill, congrats on the win. And I still have a screenshot of the text. I congrats on the win. Golf equals you just never know. You never know when the click is going to happen. And he texts me back right away and he goes, Rob, you're right. You just never know. And that's from a tour player standpoint. We just keep looking with our coaches for where am I off? What is it? If it's something that it's normal, we don't we know the path to get it back on on the rails. For the everyday player that's listening, when it goes off, the first place to look is very very obvious. And I'll ask you this, Chris: If you're driving down the road and the car stops running, what's the first reason you're going to look for why it's not running? Uh gas. Is gas probably. grip alignment stance. There you go. You're not going to flip the hood open and go. Hey, AAA, send me an engine. <laughs> no, you're going to go, oh, I've been listening to this podcast, or I've been jamming out to Def Leppard or Journey. Journey, Journey, are you and I. We love Journey. Uh, indeed. Um, 
and and I didn't notice the gas gauge getting low and then the light flashing and then the whole thing tanking on me. But if you're out there, look at your grip, put an alignment stick down, make sure you're not aiming 80 miles right and yanking it left. Check your all your alignment, your posture, your stance, everything. Make sure you're set up according to how your body should set up to hit it. Not a blueprint, not a puzzle. Not a, not a blueprint or fundamental. Setup is a puzzle. Everybody's puzzle is different. Your puzzle is different than mine. Eric Johnson's coming up. His puzzle is different. And you got Brian Jacobs. Brian's puzzle is different than mine and yours and Eric's. Everybody's setup's a little different. You got to know yours and know how to put the pieces in place. That's great. All right, I got to get a couple other playing lessons from you, Rob. And and one of the things that's going to be a theme on tonight's show is going to be a better mental approach out on the course, because too often we are focused, we amateurs like me, we're focused on the trouble out there instead of where we want the ball to go. So we're focused on, I don't want it to go there instead of, I do want it to go over there. How do you teach your students, maybe even your tour players to focus on achieving a positive outcome? Achieving a positive outcome if you're worried about where it's going to go, a couple thoughts on that. The golf ball will fit. That's a famous Moan Norman line. Someone asked him, what are you doing a tight hole? He goes, what do you mean? The golf ball will fit. <laughs> I've never played a golf hole where the ball wouldn't fit. David Ogren, who's been on your show, is a good friend. He has a great line that he and his caddy talked about. He said, if there's 80 acres of golf course to the right, and out of bounds to the left, hit it in the 80 acres. <laughs> I love that line. That was great. Yep. A lot of times the you're 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 picturing the wrong things as you get up to a golf ball. I talk about it this way. I talk about getting in your hallway. So a hallway is about three, three and a half feet wide. So when I get over a golf shot, I literally build a hallway towards where I want to go. There's a wall on the left, a wall on the left, and the ball is going to fly down that hallway. There's nothing outside of it. And that comes from, from being a tour player. When you've got spectators, A, you don't see them, but when the ropes are there and the spectators are there, it narrows where you want to go. And so, you know, for me, that was always a key thought was get in my hallway. There's nothing outside of my hallway. Hit the ball down my hallway. Rob, you mentioned your most recent episode of The Golf Kingdom. I subscribed to it on YouTube. I also downloaded the app on my Roku TV. And in your most recent episode, you share a drill for both putting and our full swing using a couple of water bottles. Do you mind sharing that tip? So, yeah, I have a segment to begin the show called the Build It segment. And we use, I put on a tool belt, hard hat. It's kind of homage to home improvement. Um my show was kind of the Tim, the tool man, Taylor of golf, you know, where he was just that little syndicated show in Detroit. I'm kind of, I kind of have kinship with that, but um, we, we take things and, and build your game and we use things that you would find around the house or things you would use to build with. And so I, I put down two water bottles and you can put a ball between the water bottles. So you want to be able to make sure your club will fit. So you put down the water bottles lengthwise and the ball in there and you swing and don't hit the water bottle. So it, it kind of guides your path straight. If you want to be more into out, slant the bottle bottles a little to the right. If you're a draw player, slant them a little left, like if you're a fade player like me. But your goal is to not explode the, the water bottles as you swing through. So my advice to those listening is don't throw a golf ball down there first. Put the water bottles down there until you can swing through cleanly 
not hitting the water bottles and then put a ball down because the ball changes the whole dynamic of it. And then I also demonstrate how to use it for putting where you'll, you'll put uh, a chair there and then the water bottle comes off your lead foot and points at the ball and it gets you a better spacing from the ball. And then you have to fit your stroke between the end of the water bottle and the leg of the chair. And that's your gate drill and putting. Brilliant. One more, Rob, and, and you've got a tip for what you call the mission impossible shots. And it's something so simple, yet I never thought of it. When we find ourselves in, in the trees or in the brush, in the bushes, whatever, in that area, and we have a restricted backswing, what's a better way to punch that ball out? You know, it, it, it's funny because I'd love to ask tour players how many of them have ever thought about this because I've done it in competition a lot of times is if you have a restricted backswing, I watch players do this all the time. I watched um, when I was watching the ACC championship here last year, I was watching one of the kids got in some brush and I'm watching him. I'm going, he doesn't know what to do. He's holding the club on the very end, trying to find a backswing. And he's trying, he's got a shot where he can get it on the green from like 40 yards, but he's got the club on the end. Then he choked down to the edge of the grip and it didn't quite get him clear. And I'm going, okay, if you choke down, halfway down the club and make the club two and a half, three feet long. You know, it's the itty bitty little club. You're not even holding the grip. You're holding the metal, both hands on the metal. The club gets really short and oh my gosh, I can take a half. I can take a three quarter back swing. I just have to stay down and through it and hit it with my arms. And you'd be amazed at how much you could punch that ball out and move it, you know, farther than you thought you could, but you got to make the club real short to do it. So mess around with that on the range, grip down, see how short you can make the club and how far you can move the ball going down as comfortably as you can get without, you know, holding it down on the hosel. Rob, before I let you go, remind everyone again how they can catch you on the Golf Kingdom, all the places that they can find it. Plus, I know you've gotten off of social media, so it's going to be hard to follow you there. But where else can we follow you? Well, social media was something I was happy to get off of. Um, it was, it was just too much time and I, it wasn't getting me any benefit from it for, for my, my business. So no big deal, but, um, the golf kingdom, uh, Roku has, uh, most of the shows, uh, Amazon, uh, Amazon's a little bit weird on their, the way they load them up. So not all of them are there, but the YouTube channel is where you want to go find the golf kingdom. All the shows are there. There's extra little things that I've put there. Also interviews with the guests that are cut out of the shows, other little clips that we've done that um, maybe haven't aired yet or, you know, we didn't air them, but we we, we filmed them. And then, um, as always, stranogolf.com. Everything's there about the Academy here in Destin, Florida. Rob, you're the best, my friend. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back for a 17th time and be a part of the show. You always make the segment in the show so much better when you're a part of it. Well, thank you, Chris. It's always great to be with the greatest host, of any golf show I've ever been on. And on top of that, we both are Italian. It can't get any better than that. <laughs> You're darn right it can. Rob, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you, hopefully for number 18 real soon. Looking forward to it. Just let me know and I'll be there. I appreciate you, Rob. Take care. That is the great Rob Strano again. Stranogolf.com and the Golf Kingdom is the name of the show. Uh, I've got the app on my Roku TV. I also subscribe to it on YouTube. It's fantastic, folks. It is the best 
golf variety show that you're going to find because Rob does things that, like he said, you're going to find stuff around the house. It's not going to be expensive equipment that you go. You have to go buy. You plug in your phone or whatever you're looking at the the tips, and you're going to find stuff around the house that he is going to help you make your golf game better, and you're going to have fun doing it. So that's the other part of watching the show. Not only do you learn stuff, he makes it he makes it a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Rob is just a wonderful human being. He's a he's one of the top coaches in our game, instructors in our game, but he's a ten times better person. And uh, I'm so lucky that I've had uh, him on the show now 17 times. And like I say, I can't wait for number 18 already. Coming up next is another great friend of the show and one of the top instructors in our game, Brian Jacobs. Before I get to Brian. I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. And I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And how does a 45-day free trial to Arco sound? Well, me and my golf have partnered with Arcos and are offering 14 free sensors and a 45-day free trial to Arcos Caddy. When you purchase any training aid on shop.meandmygolf.com. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out. Again, go online to shop.meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection. Sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to Construct.com, and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T dot com, and use code CHRIS for 20% off the green collection today. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is a guy making his 11th appearance with me on the show, and that's Brian Jacobs. Let me remind you about Brian's background. He earned his undergraduate and then his master's of education from State University of New York at Brockport. He became a PGA assistant director of instruction at Ravenwood Golf Club up in Rochester, New York back in 2006 simultaneously becoming a staff instructor for Hank Haney Golf. In 2010, he became the director of golf instruction and a Hank Haney certified instructor at Arondequois Country Club in Rochester. 2014, he became the lead instructor on the Golf Channel Academy. In 2015, he started the Brian Jacobs Golf Academy at Ridgemont Country Club. He has been named a top 100 instructor by Golf Range of America and as one of the top instructors in the state of New York by Golf Digest. He's a two-time recipient of the Western New York PGA Section Teacher of the Year Award, the Player Development Award, the Bill Strasbaugh Award, and the Horton Smith Award. He is one of the most positive and uplifting people you'll ever meet, and I'm excited to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Brian, how are you, my friend? Thanks for coming back on the show. 
Chris, how are you today? How are you? Thank you for letting me follow Rob. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for doing it. Choose to fill. No doubt. No doubt. I don't envy you. Isn't it? I mean, he's got just an amazing brain, doesn't he? He's just, it's so intriguing to listen to him. And um, it's amazing. Just, uh, he's so creative. It's, it's wonderful. I'm so glad that uh, uh, we're buddies and uh, also get a chance to listen to him and hear from him a little bit and just kind of get my wheels turning a little bit too. That's good. I appreciate all of that. So, Brian, before we get into all the golf stuff, you know we got to talk a little football first with training camps opening up here in a couple of weeks. Your Bills have been knocking on the door the last couple of years to getting back into the Super Bowl. How do you feel about their chances this year? How do we feel every year? (laughs) feel great. Um, I'll tell you, they made some nice additions in the offseason defensively. Um, And then, uh, I mean, obviously, Tremaine Edmonds leaving. They just couldn't pay him, but... uh, Linebackers, it's really funny. Like a true inside linebacker is getting kind of scarce now in the game because nobody runs it much anymore. And so these guys all got to be fast. They got to be able to cover. And um, so I'm pretty excited. I'm excited defensively for sure. And and offensively, they've added some nice pieces. And um, I just think it's going to be great. I think that, uh, you know, they haven't hit their ceiling yet. So hopefully this will be the year. You have a couple of the Bills players as uh, students, right? I do. I've I've helped guys over the years. And so, yeah, we've – so back in the Aaron Schobel days, even helping guys out and uh, um, been helping Eric Wood out, a former player, for a long time and just met with him a couple weeks ago. And, and yeah, I play a little bit with Jordan Poyer and, and Gabe Davis a little bit and Dawson Knox and Ike Butker and A.J. Klein. And they're just all great guys, I'll tell you. Um when you start to take a look at the culture of teams, um, the cultures are so good when they have people that play golf and everybody plays for the Bills. And I mean, like everybody plays, uh, which has been fantastic. It's just good to see the guys get together. And, you know, some teams go fishing and some teams, you know, go to the uh, range and drive cars around. But these guys all play golf, which has been great. So it's been fun. So I went to the University of Central Florida, as did Gabe Davis. So I got to yeah. ask you, how's his game? Uh, Gabe's come a long ways. I'll tell you, he's he's awesome. He's It's hard for them, too, because, you know, they're so elite. And so it's just something they think it's like basketball or baseball, and you just pick it up and you play, and they get humbled pretty quick. And sometimes, you know, they'll get frustrated, and you're like, well, you should be frustrated. And they're like, yeah, but I should be able to do this. And I'm like, but you just spent your last 24 years trying to get into the NFL. And so if you look at the journey and the line of the journey that you're going to take, just try to get past your rookie year, a couple years, get your second contract. And then when your life stabilizes a little bit more, your game will start to get better. And so they, they start to understand that it's just like any type of human performance. It's just, they have to spend time at it and and a lot of them are are avid. I mean, they really play. And as they, you know, traverse through their careers, they play more and more and more um, in the off season. And so they'll be at camp, I guess, here in a couple of weeks. And once camp starts, um, you know, they'll put them away for a little while. And then once they start to get Tuesdays off, they'll a couple guys will get them out to, you know, get the clubs out just for therapy, you know, just to get away, get quiet and, um, 
and it's it's good. There's a lot of different purposes for the game for all of them. No doubt. Brian, let's talk a little golf, and uh, I got to get your perspective. Obviously, the big story around the game has been the proposed merger or partnership between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. Personally, uh, it's been very difficult for me. I mm-hmm. kind of feel lied yeah. to and betrayed by Jay Monahan, especially sure. when he talked about standing with the families from from nine eleven. You're up there in the state of New York. I yeah. know it's in the northern part of New York, but still, how how did you feel when you heard the news? Um, you know. Uh, not good, <laughs> truthfully. Um, number one, I think it's very difficult uh, to understand all the inner workings, and but it's really not. It's all about money, and I think that because of money, there's not a lot of loyalty anymore. Um, being around professional athletes a lot, um, you know, they're trying to do the best for themselves to get as much as they can because their careers are very short in the NFL. Golf isn't really like that, number one. And number two, um, I think it's interesting that the average public doesn't know the difference between the tour and the PGA of America. And so people would come to me and, you know, say like, well, why did, you know, why did your leader, you know, do this? And I was not my leader. I said, my leader's over here. <laughs> That's the leader of the tour. And so once they could differentiate, um, I just don't think it's good. Obviously, I do a lot with veterans, and it's very frustrating for them. Obviously, they they go and serve, and then do all their stuff to prevent all these things from happening. And now they're happening, and it's just it's not it's not a good situation. And and I'm like Rob too. I don't watch golf at all. I really don't. Um, I'd rather play. I'd rather teach. Um, I think, you know. When they say the game is healthy, um, I think it, it is healthy. People are playing more and more, but it's not because of the PGA Tour. That's not why they're playing. It's because of coaches like Rob and like Eric. Um, that's why they're playing the game. As And obviously, to your point, Jay Monahan is not your leader. But no. thinking about him and what, what happened and how this deal came about and Essentially, he's gone into exile ever since the players meeting prior to the yeah. Canadian Open. But, you know, I, yeah. So, I mean, that's is there people talk about is there a path back for the live players to play on the PGA Tour? My question is, is there a path back for Jay Monahan to be leader of that organization? No, I, I think there's going to be it's hard because they're not unionized. So you can have a vote of no confidence and it doesn't matter. He can do whatever he wants. Um you know, contractually, I guess. Um, I just don't under, I just don't see how he can save faith. You know, he lied basically, I guess that's the best way to put it. And then you had a lot of backroom meetings and then you, you say to your, your constituents basically, Oh, well, you know, I did this for you guys. And that's why they have a board of players. Those guys all should have been involved and they all would have nixed it. That's why they weren't. They would have said, no way, we're not going to do this. Um, and we'll figure out a way, you know, to get more sponsors, to get the purses where they need to be. It, it's interesting. It's um, it's not for the health of the game at all, I don't think. I don't think it's healthy. And I think it's it's just a bad look. And I I hope that, I hope that the players, you know, like the guys that want to come back and they're talking about how to find them and all these other things, they left. They're gone. They don't get to come back. 
that's it. It's simple. Um, and, you know, well, we want the best players playing. Well, you have the best players playing. You have the loyal players playing. And those are the best. And so if that's the brand, that's the brand. Find a way to make it work. So they don't need the guys that left. And so let's that's take just, the, you know, my opinion. Yes. I mean, let's just talk about that for a second. Because that's where I have a hard time. I, I, mm-hmm. I almost, you know, when people say, well, you know, if the live players want to come back, you know, they need to be fined. They need to be suspended. And I'm like, for what? For what? Right. You, they left. you Well, <laughs> they left. But, you know, are you going to fine or suspend them for coming back for doing what? For doing right. the exact same thing the PGA Tour just did? Right. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's It's like you're going to fine or suspend. But it's like, just say no, they're not coming back. And find a way to sustain your tour. And I know that a lot of the sponsors are are starting to walk away because it's, you know, it used to be six million to run an event, and then it was right. eleven, and now they're talking about twenty four million to run an event. Like, how does it end? Like, where does it stop? You know, right? Um, and so, I don't know. Maybe there is another tour, or um, somebody breaks away and you know, finds their own way to, to make it happen. Um, very difficult though. I mean, I don't think Monaghan made it any better <laughs> by the, you know, these decisions. And so I think I, I just don't like it. I don't think it's good. Um, and truthfully, I have a lot of students that won't watch the tour. They said, well, I know what I'm going to do, you know, Saturdays and Sundays now at three o'clock. And I'm like, what are you going to do? Play golf? Yeah. Good for you. Good there you go. Another yeah. 18 holes each day, right? All right. So another 36 holes plus dinner, maybe some drinks. Good. And it's at their facilities. Good for them. And yeah. That'd be great for business. Yeah. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian, let's switch gears a little bit. And technology has almost become a, a, a dirty word in the game of golf because people <laughs> start to talk about, well, the ball flies too far. You know, driver heads are too big. Shafts are too light. Equipment certainly isn't like what it was when you and I were growing up and no. starting to learn the game. Right. Has, has technology gained? Has that been good or bad for the game? I think it's good. Actually, I was talking to a student today that, you know, we went out and I think it's good. I mean, I, I think hitting it farther is fine. Um, I would think this, like if you look at the handicaps, if all this stuff is so great, why aren't the handicaps changing? You know, why are they the same? What? And it's basically the same number of percentage of people take instruction. They do coaching, right? We, we as, a, as a brand, a lot of times focus on the college players and the tour players. We forget about the 90% of the people that don't play at that level. They're the ones that really need, um, you know, that those equipment helps like the ball spinning less and and being able to have a bigger headed driver and maybe a longer player length in their iron head so that when they have off center hits, they can, they can hit it better and hit it straighter. And so I'm all for it. I know as a traditionalist, a lot of times, um, and I am as well, uh, you know, you look at how, like even the golf course that I play at, I can remember starting there 15 years ago. And on one of the par fives, having to hit a driver and a hybrid and a wedge. And today from the back tees, I had a driver and a six iron on pin high. Wow. And so 
and I've gone on my own speed journey and everything else, but the equipment's better. It go, the ball goes farther. The conditions are firmer. Um, so to me, I'm lap. I think it's great. I got a chance to make an Eagle, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, and you look great in front of your students, right? They're like, what'd you hit? I go, I had six iron. Like, you had six iron. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, you hammered your drive. And I go, I know you could have sold seats on that one. Right. <laughs> so, but the thing is, is that it's, I've done some stuff personally, you know, in my own personal speed journey, but at the same time, the equipment is so good. Like, it's just so good. And it goes so far. Um, and I know there's a lot of back and forth about clubs having to, you know, build longer facilities. And I'm like, you don't have to, we have fescue all over the place. They, they can narrow it down or like, you know, widen it out any way they want to do it with the rough and the fescue and people still hit it in the fescue. And it's a big golf course. It's 360 acres. You know, it's a big place, but people still lose five golf balls, like the average golfer. Um, so I think we got other things to worry about, you know, sometimes. You talk about your personal journey. You're in mm -hmm. fantastic shape, my friend. You have done a lot Thank of you. work. Talk yeah, I, I um I kind of have I have this accountability group. Um and we we talk pretty frequently and I just said, you know, I'm in great shape. I feel good. I'm I was 60 at the time and I said I just can't seem to get my eating in order and I go I train really hard and I just don't get any faster. I'm just going to I'm just going to go all in, you know, for a year, you know, if it takes that long or whatever it's going to take me to just be faster. And so I got with a kinesiologist and a men's health doctor. And so the first thing the doc said to me was we took a look at my diet. We did blood panels and, and he said, you got to lose weight. He goes, you got to lose 50. And I go, 50 pounds. I go, really? You know, and I'm like, can I really lose that much and still be healthy? And he's like, yep. So I was at 248 at the time. And so I've lost 50 pounds. And so I've leveled off right now. I'm about 205, 203, which is where I feel really, really good. And then the kinesiologist, she built programs for me um, for function. So stability, mobility, uh, vertical force, uh, a lot of the stuff you hear about. So we work on hand speed and grip strength and jumping and slams and throws. And, and I love it. Um, and then I, I have used a couple of different speed products, you know, in my journey as well, some primitive and some a little more advanced. And, and so, I mean, I can get a speed stick up around 125 and I can wow. get about 115 on a golf ball. And I legit started at 99 miles an hour at 248 and I could hit it about 250. And last year in my stats, I was in between 303 to 312. And I mean, it's a big difference, right? Yeah. So you're, I'm hitting more wedges. I can play back farther. Or if I play shorter, I can, I can knock it on a, a par four, sometimes a short one and one, you know, with an iron sometimes or a hybrid. Oh so my. it's, yeah. And then just the fitting component and some of the other stuff with the equipment too. It's been awesome. And so I try to get my students to do the same thing. Like, like I'm doing a, a study right now with golf forever, um, helping students out using their protocols and, and we're doing some testing, you know, just to, 
uh, internally in my own academy just to see like, well, what's best? What's going to work best for everybody? You use Stack, you use Mach 3, you use Golf Forever, you use nothing, you use Super Speed. You know, it doesn't matter whatever they want to use. And then we just kind of test things and see if they can go faster. And we can usually get between six and eight miles per hour, sometimes 10. I've had people go 14 um, because they've never been intentional about speed. Um, I've actually gone to the research lab at Penn State, too, and got on, you know, uh, Unisys, it's called, and looking at force and velocity of my hands. And it's pretty fascinating. It's it's pretty cool. No doubt. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's been great. And I'm just a regular guy. I'm like a farm boy. Um, (laughs) You know, but you learn all this stuff and then you start to say, well, how can I translate it to my my customers? And, you know, I I talk to them. I go, what's the fastest way to gain speed? And they go, move your body faster. And I'm like, well, is that true? What if you moved your hands faster? What if your velocity of your hands got faster? Yeah. So how tight is the grip on your club? And then let me look at your grips on your clubs. And oh, my gosh, you have finger marks in all your grips because you squeeze the club so hard. So let's take two swings on Doppler with your grip and then you use my grip where it's looser. And I shake their hand and I let them feel the pressure in my hand. And they're like, that's how loose you're supposed to hang on. They'll get two miles per hour that way, just by that. Wow. Hands and wrists will be faster. Um, and so then we can start to have a conversation about their grip strength and also about the, the length of their arc, right? Like how far is your trail hand away from your ears? Well, not very. Okay, so what if we lengthen that out a little bit? Oh, you mean keep my left arm straight or my lead arm straight? No, not at all. Just try to get your right hand or your trail hand away from your head a little bit more. And so, but your lead arm has to have a little bit of softness in it. They'll gain another two or three. So it's so that's five, right? Right in one little session. And we're just talking. And like, what if you swung fast? What if you just really tried to swing fast? And you're like, well, they go, well, I want to be accurate. And I'm like, well, it's statistically proven that longer players are more accurate than shorter players. And I'm, and they look at me like I'm weird. And I said, okay, so let me ask you a question. Would you rather hit it 250 down the middle or 350 in the rough, just on the edge? And they go, well, 350. Okay, then you got to go faster. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you made your choice, so now you're in. And so um, in the winter, we run a lot of speed classes, injury prevention classes. They're very concerned. People get really concerned about getting hurt. And you're like, well, how are you going to get hurt? Like, what did you do as a kid? Remember when you were growing up? Like, what did we do as kids to be fast? We ran, right? We jumped, we leaped. So this is what really uh, spurned me on too, was being around professional athletes. I would look at a a receiver in the NFL or a DB in the NFL, and I'd say, I know they're a leap, but why is their club head speed so fast when they never have swung a weighted club? You know, and I finally came to the conclusion that they jump and they run and they leap and they twist. So they're working in all the planes. And I said, that's it. I got it. And I called my kinesiologist and I said, you're brilliant. She goes, no, this is what I know. You don't have to swing an implement to be faster. You just have to work in all the planes faster. 
and there's a way to get it to happen. And I'm like, brilliant. I love it. And so, yeah, yeah, it's been great. It's been just the best, like funnest journey. So I'm 62 and I'm faster now than I was when I was 30 because I know more. Wow. So pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And yeah. And we need to have you back soon to, to talk more about it because uh, sure. this is fantastic stuff, Brian. Yeah, I could congratulations talk forever. Thank you. It's uh, like I say, my students are all buying in, and like you know, I, I mean, I've done golf schools before, and I've asked like, who wants to hit it shorter? Like, I can't believe <laughs> no one no one raises their hand. You know, and I had one guy once to me like, this is my last story. I could talk forever, but. He had his pants pulled up, you know, all the way up to his chest. You know, he's probably 75 and God bless him. He was there working hard, blisters on the hands. And he, he goes to me at lunch. He goes, you know what, Brian? He goes, I think I figured it out. I think I got the secret. I go, what is it? He goes, I got to swing slower. I go slower. (laughs) I go, your, your height of your shot is 20 feet. I said, we got to get you to a hundred feet. I go, look at you go as fast as you can. And I'll fix you. I'll get the face to get square. But you got to promise me you'll go faster. And we really couldn't measure it then. You know, we had no way of measuring. We could just pace it off and say, yep, that was a good one. <laughs> it went farther. <laughs> now we can just look at our phone and do 3D and club head speed and twitch of the hands and, you know, lead elbow and everything else. It's so cool. Yes, it is. Brian, you, you've piqued everybody's interest. So how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing? Watch your video tips and all that sort of thing, whether it's on your website or it's somewhere on social media. Yeah, absolutely. Website is brianjacobsgolf.com. And then uh, uh, both Twitter and Instagram are at brianjacobsgolf. And so I do quite a bit of posting as far as, uh, uh, so I game a lot with my students, but I also talk a little bit about you know, the speed journey and, and I'll answer any question that anybody has. They can send, send me a note and I can definitely explain my own journey, but get them to the right people also. So they don't get hurt and they do things the right way. That's great stuff. Brian, it's always a huge thrill to have you as part of this show. I learn a lot and there's a lot more that, that I need to learn from you. I hope we get the privilege of having you back on the show again soon. Yeah, I'd love to. And Love to do a visit. My wife's actually going to be in Atlanta this week, but I couldn't make it with her. Oh. Well, in other words, I wasn't invited. She'll be, <laughs> at, a tra- she'll be at a trade show. So I get to stay home and watch the dog. And, and I said, man, this would be great to go see Chris. I could. Yes. So maybe in January, because she has another one. All right. Well, I hope that you either come here. I, maybe I get to see you at the merchandise show next year. Sure. One or the other. Yes, sir. That would be get- wonderful. I yeah, and I appreciate together. your friendship and support and then uh, all you do for the game of golf thank you so much i appreciate that very much brian you're the best my friend all the best to you and your family look forward to catching up with you again soon thanks you thanks chris god bless you too that is the great brian jacobson wasn't that fascinating the things that he has done uh to gain speed obviously and speed equals length and so um I feel like we just barely got to the tip of the iceberg with the things that Brian is working on and that he has learned over the years. So hopefully, like I say, we get that privilege. He's been on the show 11 times and and I'm eagerly anticipating the 12th because he's doing some fascinating things uh, with his golf swing and his body and the way that he's been able to put those things together and then teach. 
And that's the thing. And and I agree with what uh, he said. One of his students did. I'm I'm a little bit afraid of speed because I don't want to lose accuracy. Uh, and for a guy that uh, you know is, is feels really good if he drives at 240, um, I, I would certainly love to drive at 280. And if I was just on the edge of the fairway or, or in the just on the edge of the rough, I'd take the 280 in the edge of the rough. So I got to tap into what Brian is doing and get some pointers. But hopefully, like I say, we get him back on the show and he can give us all pointers because it's it's off the charts good. Coming up next is another wonderful friend of the show and Ben, a great supporter of this show, going all the way back to season number one and another one of the top 100 instructors in our game, and that's Eric Johnson. Before I get to Eric, I want to remind you about two under men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at 2under.com. That's the number 2, U-N-D-R dot com. 2under, performance in your pants. And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course, so make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scone changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip-on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too, so spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scone.com and use code NXT on T20. So next on T20 at checkout for 20% off. That's Skoni.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at golf specialty retailers and green grass pro shops nationwide. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. All right, now back in next on the tee, and this guy is making his 17th appearance with me here on the show. And he is not only one of the top 100 instructors in the game, but another one of my all-time favorite people on the planet, and that is Eric Johnson. Eric has obviously been a great friend of the show for a very long time, going all the way back to the very first season of the show, really on just, I think he was on episode number three all-time back in 2014. No one makes a segment more fun than Eric does. And let me remind you about his background. He played his college golf and was a four-year letterman at Mississippi State from 1992 to 95. He helped them win back-to-back Kroger intercollegiate titles in 94 and 95. Golf Magazine has named Eric a top 100 instructor every year since 2011. He was also recognized by Golf Digest as a top 40 under 40 instructor. He's a three-time Tri-State Section PGA Teacher of the Year. He's also a four-time Horton Smith Award winner for his contributions to education. Eric played out on the Canadian Tour, the Sunshine Tour, and the Golden Bear Tour. He was the Director of Instruction for many years at Oakmont Country Club. He is now the Director of Instruction at Yellowstone Club in Big Sky, Montana. And I'm excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, how are you, my friend? Chris, my man. How you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you, E? Oh, I couldn't be better. I'm Sitting here in beautiful Bozeman, Montana, 
I got my black Stetson cowboy hat on. So <laughs> when I wear this thing, all hell breaks loose. So no, <laughs> you never know what's going to come out now. <laughs> no doubt that is, it's so I, good to talk to you man it's so good to talk to you thanks and i i said this a million times everyone's trying to copy me now but you're the most prepared man and host in, in, in anything I, I i listen to that introduction i start blushing and i'm like you know my i've got black hat on and red face so thank you for that introduction absolutely <laughs> my friend so, Eric, one of the themes of this week's show is I'm getting everyone's thought on what's going on between the PGA Tour and Live Golf, whether you call it a partnership or merger, whatever. What did you think? How did you feel when you first heard the news? Well, Chris, uh, it's such a great question. I mean, we still don't even know. We have no nobody has any idea what happened here. But um, I'm going to say that my member, Phil Mickelson, here at the Yellowstone club is the smartest man in the room. And he, uh, was correct. Um, the tour is holding back. They're holding back when they, 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 you know, they, first of all, they said, well, we don't have money. We can't do it. And all of a sudden, Oh, here's $250 million. So where did it come from? So it's kind of like the fundamental question I have with the PGA of America and so many other organizations where does this money going? Like, where's the Ryder Cup money going? Where is it all going? So, um, you know, Phil was correct. I think he's the smartest man in the room. I think what has happened here, if I was Rory McIlroy, if I was John Rum, heck, they wanted to give, you know, Tiger $750 million drive around on a card. Um, you know, if I was Will Zalatoris with a bad back issue, I would have taken the money. So, um it's a really hard question. I, I don't even think we know, uh, Chris, I, I, you know, who knows where this is all going to go, but it's a quagmire. I love Rob's answer. The 500 Christmas lights thrown in a box up in the <laughs> attic. You know I mean? It's kind of what it is. I mean, we really don't know. I mean, we know that's a, a, a mess. So what is this? I, I, who knows if I were, if I were some of the guys on tour that were offered that big money and I hate to say it, you know, uh, Rory was the, like almost a puppet for the tour. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Um, you know, I'd be pretty upset right now. And, uh, Jay Monahan, I think he's, I think he's in the wrong. You, you didn't tell your players what you were going to do. And now all of a sudden, Hey, here you go. This is our new deal, and it's going to be great for golf. And and I've I've said this in the past. Um, I'm not sure that any fan that watches the tour cares how much they make. You know, Taylor Gooch made four million bucks again the other day. All right, great on the list. That's his third win. Um, I don't think anyone cares. If you win the U.S. Open, do you really think um, as a fan you care what he? They, the player won or the girl won. I don't think you do, but, but for some reason now as a player, when I was playing, I knew I wanted to win money. So it, it might make a difference to the, to the player, but certainly not, you know, for the fan, you win the U S open, you win the masters. I don't think anyone cares other than the tour player that's cashing the check. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah. So, I, and I'm with you. I, I never really cared how much the player went. I mean, I, I'm not sure that I, I could I could quote you how much 
you know, guys win for winning the U.S. Open or the Masters or that sort of thing. It's more about the prestige of the tournament than it is about the exactly. size of the paycheck. I mean, I'm sure they care about the size of the paycheck, but yeah, that's not that's not the first thing I'm going to look at uh, the next day uh, following a win to see how much the guy or girl won. Um, exactly. Give me give me your thoughts, Eric, because the other thing that we've been talking about tonight is. You know, there's this thing about whether the live players, you know, should be able to come back to the PGA Tour. And if they come back to the PGA Tour, are they going to be suspended? Are they going to have to pay a fine? And what you know, I've been saying is they're going to pay a fine for what? For doing what <laughs> the PGA Tour just did? How are you going to find those guys? How are you going to suspend those guys for doing what Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour, however you want to look at it, for doing the exact same thing you just did? which is take the money from the Saudis. I don't know how you find or suspend those guys. <laughs> That's such a great point. There's no way. You know, uh, I was having a conversation with someone, and uh, they said, I bet you that Jay has $200 million in crypto somewhere around the world. And I went, oh, my God, that's a great point. Uh, you know, I mean, we don't know what he's being paid. We don't know what he's, you know, you never hear about fines. You never hear about any of this money. So who knows what Jay agreed to, you know, does he just have it so bad for Greg Norman? He's going to take this deal and, you know, who knows? Um, it's, 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 it, it, it is crazy. And I will say it again, Phil's the smartest man in the room. They <laughs> took the money and, and they should, I mean, come on. Uh, you know, it, it, this is so funny. I, it, I worked with Cam Smith years and years ago, years ago, his agent is Buddy Martin, who's a member at Oakmont, and he brought him over and he said, "What do you think? Can you work with him?" I said, yeah, we're, and we worked together. and And I watched this kid, and he shot seventy one from the tips at Oakmont the first day, and we worked again the next day. Next day, he shoots sixty five. I had nothing to do with it. He was so good. I just said, "That's really good. That's really good." <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I really, I like, "Wow, you put it better than anyone I've ever seen." So Buddy goes, what do you think? I said, get that kid to a tour event as fast as you can. Now, so he takes, what, $150 million? Now, John Rom says that's not generational wealth. What are you talking about, John? Like $150 million? You, you, you said generational wealth. These people are crazy for not taking the money. Now, they say, well, they, can they welcome them back? Well, Brooks Kepka is two on the Ryder Cup list, and he's only played two events. And they say, <laughs> well, we got the best players. You don't have the best players. You have loyal players, but you don't have the best. Rory is in a slump. He can't win. Ricky Fowler, look at what he's done. He went from like 1,700 in the world. Now he's back up to, you know, Ryder Cup talk. I mean, that's what we should be talking about, not live. I mean, Ricky is the... Arnold Palmer of today. I was so lucky, Chris, to get to know Mr. Palmer a little bit at Oakmont, and I taught his grandson, Will. I didn't ever teach Sam, but, you know, I mean, I was in the Kingdom magazine. I've done all the stuff for Mr. Palmer. I played in the Palmer Cup matches with him, and, you know, to, to, to play with your idol, is it's amazing. And Ricky Fowler is kind of that guy. He stands around, he signs autographs, he talks to people, He's like, um, uh, I hate to say it, but like the Kardashian of the tour. Like he's the guy that everyone wants <laughs> to see, you know, and he, he, he's that popular. And, uh, um, 
you know, that's what we should be talking about. These crazy deals, we don't know. No one knows what happens. And people say, welcome them back. You're 100% correct. We don't know what even the contract is. Now, Jay's hiding somewhere, and he should be, because if I was a tour guy, I would be so mad. If I turned down 200, 300 million, if I was a Hideki or a Rom or a, uh, you know, Ricky, you know, I mean, uh, Rory, I mean, I would be so upset, especially because Ricky, or excuse me, um, um, they, they've been talking points for the tour. Right. Um, Rory, Rory, especially, you know, I mean, he's, oh, this is terrible. Tom Watson eviscerated Jay in that letter, and I thought it was spot on. And Tiger kind of was like, yeah, I don't know about this either. <laughs> you know, so, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to figure out on this one. And I don't even think the tour guys know, but it's so hit. It's so hypocritical to say, you can't take this money. Oh, we're going to take this money. And now it's going to be great for the game. And right. this has never been about the growth of the game. I'm sorry. No USGA. I hate to get on the soapbox. USGA gets on this thing. We're for the growth of the game. All right. You you have a yipper that 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 puts the putter into their chest and and they say, Well, that makes it too easy. All right. And then you say, Well, uh the sandwich spins too much, so we're gonna take away your skirt grooves. All right. Well the <laughs> average player can't understand this and it can't grasp it. And you say, Well, we're gonna roll back the ball. All right. The average player can't hit it two hundred yards. So if you if the USGA is honest about saying we want to grow the game, then let a yipper stick it in their chest and 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 putt it because I want that player to play golf. I don't want them going. You know what? I yip my putts so I can't. I I, I don't want to play. And and we, we've gone back and forth on this a little bit. And you know, it a, a handicapped player needs some spin, so give them square grooves. And you do whatever you want as a tour guy. What, what, this kid hit a 345-yard hole in one the other day. Right. Unbelievable. Great. Phenomenal. Pull it out. I don't care. But I saw the Belfry. They, they moved 10 to like 261 yards or something. Now, back when Seve hit it in the Ryder Cup, it was 301. So, you know, there's a little hypocrisy going on here. Like, you want to grow the game, but you're taking away – the ability for the average player to play the game. And, and, and that's where I have a problem. Do whatever you want as a tour guy. Now, the other point to this is, listen, I don't know a guy in the NBA that can't dunk the ball, right? I mean, like, they all can dunk it. But they don't say, you know what? We need to raise the hoop to 14 feet. They are not <laughs> saying that. Right. So why are, we doing, why are we doing this to golf? Who cares what they shoot? When Rory, someone said, oh, Rory, the, the course is, is, they shot 23 under. It's obsolete. Hell, I think Ernie Els has it at 30 or 32 under. I mean, the courses aren't obsolete. Play better. Make putts. That's what it comes down to. And when you make putts and you hit it far, you're going to win. So to take away the, the amateur's ability to play the game, I don't think it's correct. And I've said that for a long time, and I don't, I don't quite like the USGA stance. You know, I mean, you can pull back the ball, you can do whatever, but don't hurt the amateur. The amateur player is the one that is your 
there's 30 million of them and there's what 150 PGA tour players. So come on, don't, don't, don't hurt the 30 million. If you want to make it more challenging for the 150 guys, go ahead and girls, but don't hurt the amateurs. That's, that's all my point is on that. Let's change gears a little bit, Eric. And on a more positive note, you mentioned Ricky Fowler. He's essentially come back from the dead. I mean, he's hasn't been really a factor in the game for a few years now, but he started to play really well a few weeks ago. Obviously, won last Sunday at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, and he did it in grand fashion by birdieing the last hole to get into the playoff with Adam Hadwin and Colin Morikawa and then won it with a birdie on the first playoff hole. What are your thoughts about his journey back to the winner's circle? You know, we, we, we all go through it and, um, well, we don't all go through it, but most players do. And you have a time where you need hope <laughs> and, and he found it and he, you know, he was working with a different instructor, went back to Butch, they got the plane fixed. Um, it's unbelievable. I, I can't, I, I watched him at the master's. Uh, a couple of years ago, and he signed every autograph, like, you know, all the guys from the par three contest, race blade walked by, hey, 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 like, on a cart, gone. He signed five autographs, you know? I mean, people want to see race Floyd. And, and Ricky was out there for hours. He was literally my hero, Arnold Palmer's, uh, like, kind of second coming. He's the second coming of Arnold, and he connects with the fans. And it's so great to see it. And, you know, I've gone through things in my career where I was at the bottom and I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm ever going to get out. And, you know, you whittle your way back, but the way he's done it and the way he's played has been phenomenal. Um, his record kind of stands like you, if I was a captain of the Ryder Cup, I'd want him on my team. Now, for a couple reasons, not only his play, but for everything else that he brings to the Ryder Cup. If I was a Ryder Cup captain, I'd be picking Ricky Fowler right now. And it would not be criticized ever. Unless, you know, Ricky Fowler kicked some guy's dog and, you know, when he was four, <laughs> you're going to want that guy in the Ryder Cup. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I, I would pick him. And, and he might be close enough on points. I haven't seen it, uh, recently, but, uh, but I'd want him on the Ryder Cup. Yeah, he's 12. Yeah, I'd want him. So, yeah, let's take that a step further. Taking, taking Ricky, like I say, he's 12th in the Ryder Cup point standings right now. And goodness knows he, we, there are still a handful of events left to be played, so he could still get into the top six where he would be an automatic pick. And you're saying you take him as a coach's pick. What about a guy like Justin Thomas? Justin is 13th right now, and we know what a great pairing he and Jordan Spieth have been. If you're captain still and you're looking at who you're going to pick for that team, is Justin Thomas a guy you also ha- have to have on that team? You know, Chris, that's a great question. There's, there's, there's horses for courses. And you've heard that expression before. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a pressure player, but he is in really poor form. And no one's going to argue that. I mean, he's, he's not even going to argue that. What he did the open was uh, was really surprising. I mean, you know, it, it, he's not in good form. So 
when you have a guy like Ricky that's had all these top 10s, all these top 15s, playing great, wins, I'd take him. It's a very hard answer, but I would say at the moment, I'd say no. And, you know, we want to bring Brooks Kepke into the game. Yeah. The guy was second standings. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're a live guy and you're a Ryder Cup guy, and you're going to say, well, Sergio's out and Polder's out and Westwood's out and all these guys. Well, they keep saying they're all out. But then Rory came back and said, ah, I think Brooks would be good on the Ryder And you go, no, wait a second. You're, you're throwing all your <laughs> European guys out. But they're saying Brooks is a good pick. And you know what? He is. And if you're talking about the greatest players, then Brooks Kepka has to be in there. And, and again, I, I'm not going to get into the semantics of this, but Brooks Kepka is one of the best players in the world. Um, he might not have been loyal to the PGA Tour, but he's one of the best players in the world. And if you want the best players, and if they're going to say this, this catchphrase, oh, you got the best players in the world. Well, no, you really don't. You have Phil Mickelson that won a major. You've got Phil that took second at the Masters. You've got DeChambeau. As crazy as that kid is, he's a heck of a player. We haven't seen much since the body transformation, and we're going to chase speed. Now we're going to the live. Like, who knows what's going on with that kid? But um, if I was a Ryder Cupper, Dustin Johnson's played pretty darn good. You know, if you you, you think about if Justin uh, Thomas and and Jordan Spieth are that good, what do you think Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson would be? Yeah. I mean. Anyone in the world that would say, hey, I want to play them. <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd say somebody else. Somebody's playing bad. <laughs> I wouldn't want to play those two. You know, so, you right. know, I, it, 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 it's just, it's such a quagmire. Like, we, we have no idea how this tour is all going to flush out. And, and, and it's, uh, it's a shame because I think the PGA Tour was a tremendous entity and now we we just kind of don't know what it is. And you know what? I've said this a bunch of times. All sports better take a serious look at this. Because what happens if you get Patrick Mahomes and you get um, the greatest NFL guys and they go over to the American Football League or, you know, what, whatever right. the new team is. Like, you know, if they were going to take Tiger, that was all it was going to take, in my opinion. They, if they got Tiger to, to sign on to Liv, then everyone's going to go, oh, my God, look at Liv. And, and so soccer, you can say the same thing. Messi went to wherever, you know what I mean? Like, the, the, if, they, if they start scalping some of the greatest players, I think the American, any fan, not American, let alone any fan, wants to watch the best players and and they're going to find a way now live has deep pockets they can do whatever they want and um it it could happen in any sport in my opinion you know what what happens if you take aaron judge and you you take all these great players from baseball and you move them over here well people still want to watch home runs uh so all sports should be looking at this a little bit and saying okay tentacles are up here like what's happening here <laughs> in my opinion no, then that's a great point, Eric. You know, that, that's something that we've brought up on this show. But to your point, if 
the public investment fund decided they wanted to have, I mean, you come, you come over to this country, obviously the NFL is king. You want to start your own football league. Maybe you, maybe you buy out uh, an XFL or the, the USFL. And it's, you know, both of those have been reincarnated the last couple of years. And, and all of a sudden you go to a, a Pat Mahomes and you say, you know, Hey, I know you signed for, and I don't know what his contract is, 450 million, whatever it is. Yeah. Hey, we'll, hey, yep. we'll give you eight, 800 million to come over here, you know, and you start to pill for some of these players, just like they did off the PGA tour. You get, you know, 48 of the, you know, NFL players to come now play in the USFL. And it's kind of like we're going back to the eighties when they started out the USFL. But anyway, yeah, you got to start to wonder, yep, right? It's not like, look, oh, they, they, they haven't wonder- just invested in golf, right? They've invested to your point in, in soccer and formula one and, you know, lots of other places. What's to stop them? It's every sport. It's every sport. I don't care if it's baseball. I don't care if it's, racing nascar i don't care what it is you say hey you know i got dale Earnhardt jr and all these great racers well people are going to wait i want to watch this and again i say this and i'm a fan too i don't care if if a guy wins the masters i don't care if he wins four million or 1.5 we know that winning the masters or a major is about 20 to 50 million in endorsements throughout your career you're set you're done no fan cares what you win. You want a green jacket. It, 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 it's meaningless, this money. Now, if someone has deep pockets, they say, I'm throwing everything I got at this, and I have oil money, and I can – it doesn't matter. They're printing it. It, it. They don't care about the money. So what did they do? They blasted the PGA Tour, and it only took them, what, 12 16 months, you, you can argue the timeline, but it only took them 12 or 16 months and, and they, they, they overtook it. So there are some serious, serious questions about sports and money and where it comes from. And, you know, so now all these guys, and to your point, Chris, you are spot on. You're going to find them for what? Doing what you're doing now? <laughs> it's total hypocrisy. Right. It, 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 it's, it's crazy. So, Bill's the smartest guy in the room. God bless him. He's a dodgeball savant. He plays up here. He waxes these kids all over the place at YC in the in the winter. And I mean, when I tell you he's a dodgeball savant, he's he's crazy good. Like him and ping pong and these like Ryder Cup things, he beats everybody. You know, what I mean, <laughs> it, it's awesome. And he, he is a wonderful human. And uh, and I'm, I'm I'm only rooting for Phil. Uh, he's just a he's just a wonderful guy. Um, did he say it perfect? No, but is he a wonderful human? Yeah, he is. And you know, we, he gets, there was that thing. He gets trashed more than anybody on the tour. God bless him. He was right. You know, yeah. I mean, he looks like the smartest guy in the room and, and now the tours in shambles. We have no idea what's going to happen. So anyways. Yep. Eric, a couple more before I let you go and I got to get a playing lesson from you. So when yes, we're, when we're in between clubs, particularly with our wedges, maybe we're in between a gap wedge and a pitching wedge or a sand wedge and the gap wedge. How do you teach your students how to hit that in-between shot? I always go with more club. I always go with more club, and I always tone the speed down. Um, the harder you swing, the more out of balance we, we become. The higher the loft goes, 
the higher the spin goes. I'm a huge believer in if I'm 123 and that's right in between my wedge and a nine, I'm hitting a nine and I'm hitting a little knockdown. It's just easier. You know, um, I, I teach this all the time and we have so many new interns and we have all these new professionals here at YC and I always tell them, listen, everything starts with solid contact. You have to start with solid. Then you go with the start line and ultimately did it curve to the target. And that's where I start. If it's not solid, if you're over swinging in the wedge, you're out of posture, you're out of speed, you're, you're, you're up and out of it. It, it, it goes too high and it comes up short almost a hundred percent of the time. So I'm a huge fan of taking the little bigger club and, and toning the swing down a little bit, staying a little more to the ground, flighting it down a little bit. To me, that's, that's the best advice. Always take the, the one that you're going to hit a little further. And Eric, you've been mentioning tonight, YC Yellowstone club there in Montana, just you're outside of Bozeman. Um, for those folks that aren't familiar with golf in Montana and certainly maybe not familiar at all with Yellowstone club, talk about what it's like up there. Oh, Chris, I, I have, I'm a Mississippi state kid. I have no adjectives to explain this. Uh, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, Mr. Weiskopf gave us a slice of heaven. Um, I told uh, Mr. Weiskopf, I said, you know, before he unfortunately passed this past year, I I said, hey, uh, you know, Loch Lomond was, you know, one of my favorite places in the world, and and so is YC because of its beauty. And he said, ah, nature did that. And I said, ah, I don't know about that. Jack would have bulldozed it into submission. (laughs) He got a belly (laughs) button. Those two were a little bit... They're a little bit of oil and water, but uh, um, the Yellowstone Club is a—it's the only private golf and ski community in the world, uh, right off Big Sky, uh, uh, right off Lone Peak, and uh, it's amazing. We've got some amazing members. Um, I'm absolutely honored to be here. Um, Monty Hansen, who was the senior vice president, who is the senior vice president of operations here now. And Hans Williamson is the uh, general manager of uh, YC. They called me in 2020 and said, hey, would you like to come out? And I said, you better believe it. And so I spend my summers out here um, trying to talk my wife <laughs> into being here year-round. And uh, that, is, uh, that is a chore. And uh, <laughs> she's embedded like a tick into Pittsburgh. But I'm trying to work her out, but um, we're, we're working on it. It's just an amazing place. I uh, the members are they're phenomenal. They're welcoming. It's uh, it's a it's a special spot on this earth that God gave us, and uh, and I'm just I'm just honored to be here. It's so different, you know, Chris. You know this. I was at Oakmont for 17 years of my career, and it's so different. It's uh, you know mountainous. These beautiful views every day. I you know, look up at, at Lone Peak and there's still snow on the mountain and um, I see elk and bear and uh, grizzlies. And I've seen a wolf. Uh, you, you, the, the, the wildlife, it's just this incredible, um, you know, nature and, and humanity coming together. And 
in a mountain setting and and Mr. Weisskopf just he was a sweetheart. He really was a as a heck of a human and uh I know he was tough in his earlier part of his career but he was so generous of his time and giving um and what he did here is is phenomenal. He should have been in the World Golf Hall of Fame way before his passing and and I I will be a staunch advocate of that, but I'm glad they finally got it right. So I got to ask you, I mean, being down here in, in, in Atlanta and the, playing golf in the Southeast, if I had a golf ball near a pond, obviously we're looking to see if there's a gator anywhere in sight. Cause you know, if, if there is, that's, that's, that's your golf ball now. And now I'm just going to take my drop over here and, and, and continue on. I'm not sure how I would feel if, if I was uh, going to look for my golf ball and all of a sudden there was a grizzly bear in sight. How do you deal with that? <laughs> We have bear spray in every cart, and uh, we, <laughs> you know, no one's really had to use it. Uh, we keep buying it every year, but you know, a bear. Uh, I, I've seen bear on the range. I've seen them run across one. Uh, I've seen them all over. Uh, we had a grizzly bear walk across thirteen the other day. Uh, a member was in his hot tub, right off fourteen tee box, and uh, he looked down, and this black or grizzly walked. <laughs> Right up to his house, kind of looked up at him like, "Hey, how's it going?" and and then moved on. But uh, you know, it was a uh, it was like a Cabo's house, and the the video is so cool. He's in a thought that he looked over, "Oh my God, black bear or grizzly!" and uh, uh, it was awesome. But uh, unfortunately, unfor- I haven't had to spray the bear spray. But my first year, uh, I was out with some new prospective members, and I hear this, and I knew exactly what it was. And it was a bear spray and a little girl uh, in the cart. She was like, well, I wanted to see how it worked. And I, and I, I she sprayed it. I heard it. I turned around and the, this bear spray like was in this cloud coming right at me and it hit me. And it was, it's so awful. <laughs> and, and I tasted it for about a week and I was like, yeah, we, we don't spray it. We don't want to spray that again. You know, it, it goes, you know, you don't have to worry about spraying it, but. <laughs> uh, fortunately, no bears, but it, that bear spray is terrible. It's awful. <laughs> no doubt. Eric, I know yeah. you're not on social media, so there's not a way for, for our listeners really to, to follow you there. But how can we uh, stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and certainly what's going on up there at Yellowstone Club? So, my man, I've been promising you for years. Yes, you <laughs> have. going to get back. <laughs> and, and, so I, I posted something on Facebook the other day. It was uh, it was a couple golf magazine articles. I did one uh, uh, pitching, you know, get rid of the angle early in January, February issue. And uh, June, I did uh, find your curve. You know, I, I, I never argue with these uh, fools on the Internet. Um, they they want to argue everything. And there's no such thing as a straight shot, in my opinion. That if you look at the golf, you know, channeled in your TV and it's this curve and it always has a bunch of numbers. It never says zero. So, uh, and I learned that from Jim Flick years ago, he was teaching, uh, Tom, uh, 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 he was teaching Tom and he had Jack, Mr. Nicholas, obviously. And, uh, Tom Lehman, Tom hit a big hook. Jack hit a big, you know, little, little tiny high cut. And, uh, I said, what are you working on? He's like, same thing. And I said, coach, that's, there's no way. And he said, Mr. Johnson, are you calling me a liar? And it was the first time he ever called me other than Mr. Eric. He called everybody by their 
you would be, you know, Mr. Chris, I'd be Mr. Eric. And he said, you call me a liar. I said, no, I just don't know how you can work on the same thing. And he said, well, we're talking about not crossing a line. And I knew exactly what we were talking about. Draw wants to start to the right, come back in. Fade wants to start to the left, come back in, not cross the line. Um, but I did post that on uh, uh, on Facebook the other day. And my boy, Patrick Kane, used to do all that for me. But I'm going to get on it. I, I keep saying that, but I promise. EricJohnsonGolf.com. My website needs updated, but uh, Facebook, all that, Twitter, and I promise I'm going to start doing more stuff. LinkedIn, too. It's Eric Johnson Golf. So, But, Chris, I, I can't thank you enough for having me, and it's always so fun to talk to someone as knowledgeable as you. So thank you very much for everything. I appreciate you, Eric, and it's always fun getting to spend time with you. You always make the segment so much fun every time you've joined me. I can't thank you enough for having been on the show 17 times now, and, and I'm already looking forward to number 18. You're the best, my friend. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon. Well, hey, that Rob got me. He had some great lines, but he's 18. Now, don't forget about me out here in Bozeman, Montana. I told you, I'm wearing the black. <laughs> don't forget about me out all right. <laughs> I will never do that. And I'll tell you what, you talk about trying to get your wife out there. I've been trying to get my wife to say, you know, hey, when when it's time for us to to retire, I want to retire to Montana. She she's not uh, she's not budging on that, but that's that's where exactly where I want to end up, my friend. Well, you live out here with me, we'll send those girls together and we'll be good. <laughs> there you go. I like the way you think. Uh, I'm kidding. I love my wife. Hannah, if you're listening, because I'm just kidding, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you're the best, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. Right back. Yeah, I love you, man. All the best. Thanks. See you. That is the great Eric Johnson. Again, his website, ericjohnsongolf.com, and he does need to go out there and update it. Um, and Eric Johnson golf on Instagram and Twitter. Hopefully we get a little more from Eric this year on social media, but Eric is just one of the great human beings that, uh, I've had the privilege of meeting doing this show. Again, there's a reason why he has been a golf magazine, top 100 instructor every year since 2011. He's a fantastic teacher of the game. Again, he's won awards for his teaching. And on top of that, he is a 10 times better person and he is a teacher and he's one of the best teachers on the planet. So there you get a little taste of how wonderful Eric Johnson is. Like I say, going all the way back to season one of this show, Eric has been a mainstay. I can't thank him enough for the 17 times he's been a part of it. I'm already looking forward to number 18. And um, again, my sincere thanks to him for uh, everything he has meant to me over the course of the 10 years I've been doing this show a great friend, a great mentor, and a great instructor. And I mean it sincerely. Can't wait to catch up with him again soon. Joining me next is going to be Greg Sabella. Before I get to Greg, I want to remind you about a few of our friends, starting with the folks over at Adele Golf. Power and precision. Adele Golf's SMS and SMS Pro irons offer the ultimate in iron adjustability. Featuring the revolutionary swing match weighting technology, Precisely dial in each iron to your swing by moving the heaviest weight to its optimal position for maximum performance. Learn more about them by going to adelgolf.com. And folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. 
Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried Squares? Try the new Speed Bolt at Squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com. Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strands designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com to learn more about the two-play special and book your tee time today. Again, that's CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com. All right, now next on the tee with me is Greg Sabella. Greg is the VP of Marketing for Unicor. They make launch monitors, simulators, and related software. Prior to joining Unicor, Greg was the Director of Marketing and Golf Sales for Blast Motion. Going a little further back in his career, he was the VP of Marketing for Superstroke and the Director of Marketing for Callaway Golf. And I'm excited he is with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Greg, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, Greg, for our listeners who aren't familiar with who Unicor is, talk a little bit about the history of the company and your role. Yeah, so it's it's a great question. Thank you. Um, Unicor, as you mentioned, we make launch monitors and simulation software. Um, born here in the United States in about 2018, um, but a long history of engineering and sensor creation and the golf business in Korea. So our parent company uh, is a company called Create. They're based in Korea and they engineer the launch monitors, all the sensors and write all the software. And we are the golf arm here in the United States. Um, They've had a golf arm in the Korea side doing what we're doing out here for about 16 years. So a lot of experience behind us. And Greg, I read that you guys actually just launched a new iMini launch monitor. I was checking it out online. Really caught my attention. Looks fantastic. Tell us about it. Yeah, so you're right. We just launched uh, what we call the iMini, and it's a portable launch monitor. It's two cameras and infrared sensors that measure every piece of ball data you can imagine, um, along with club data. And it comes with a, a view app for an iPad for free, which which displays all that information if you don't want to look just at the launch monitor screen. Um, and that simulates a driving range and shows you ball flight and trajectories, shows you club data. And then we have a, a pretty unique, pun intended with our name, uh, feature which shows an actual image and video of your ball at impact. So entering impact, impact, and just post impact, which can be seen on the view app or with, with the uh, software. So, Greg, how is that iMini different from the other portable launch monitors that we see out there on the market? What sets it apart? Well, one is value. Um, we're at a very competitive price point. Um, the other is, you know, our proprietary algorithms, which help to capture and, and decipher launch conditions. So we're, we're really proud of the engineering team we have behind us. And to be able to instantaneously provide the data that we do um, portably is, is a huge advantage. Uh, that launch monitor can also be used indoors if you wanted to create a full simulator with a gaming PC and some software. You can have a setup that is 
both at home and grab and go if you're going to the range or the course or a lesson. So great talking about simulators. You guys, you had the QED model, the IXO models, but you recently released the IXO2 model. So talk about the improvements that you guys have made on this new model. Yeah, the IXO2 is an overhead launch monitor, so designed for indoor use. And the big improvement really was we added a third camera, not necessarily for accuracy, but really to improve the hitting zone that, you know, picks up your golf ball. So instead of having to fit your ball into a, you know, call it 12-inch by 18-inch rectangle, the hitting zone has been improved 300%. So you're not wearing your mat in the same place. It's easier to use. And then we also introduced what we call trouble mats, which are simulation of sand and rough that can be plugged right into an insert into your turf, which, you know, make simulator golf more real by giving you tough lies and holds up your club head and and really performs like it would out of a bunker or the rough on a golf course. Greg, you mentioned the word value a moment ago. I have to imagine there's more than just value that sets you guys apart from your competitors. Talk about the different products that you have and why they're better than everybody else's. Yeah, well, we offer a suite of products that we think meets the market need at various price points and various setups. So depending on if you're looking to build, you don't have, call it 10-foot ceilings, and you want to build an outdoor simulator setup, you can have a net and some turf and an iMini. If you do have the ability to go indoors or in your garage, we offer a variety of different cages. Um, Our QED overhead launch monitor is positioned behind you if that fits your needs more. And then the IXO and the IXO2 are positioned kind of right in front of you, which allows us to capture all the club data and ball data without needing to mark the golf ball. So you can play with whatever golf ball you play on the course and you'll get your actual spin numbers and feel of the of the same ball you're playing. So Greg, who develops Unicor's products and technology? Talk a little bit about them and the R&D process that you guys go through. Yeah, so Creates is the parent company in Korea and they've been engineering products for, like I said, 16 years um, the way it's worked with Unicor here in the U.S. is we gather feedback from our customers, from our user base, and we have a direct line to kind of implement that feedback. So we're able to provide them with intelligence on what we think the market needs here in the U.S., and then they quickly either have that product in process already and make some adjustments to make it suitable for our market or they, they kind of begin the process. And, and because of the size of their team, we're able to quickly engineer and, you know, create new products probably faster than our competitors. And Greg, when I'm out at a PGA Tour event or a Champions Tour event, I see launch monitors all over the driving range. I have just about all those guys have yeah. one out there. Talk about the, what you guys are doing to help the tour players take their game to the next level. Yeah, we, we have... Um, Cameron Champ on the PGA Tour and Lily He on the LPGA Tour kind of in our camp. Um, and they utilize the mini in, in the same way you just talked about, taking it out to the to the range, warm up either with a coach or without to kind of get their numbers dialed in. So we're, we're just starting this tour kind of presence with the mini. 
So I was able to get out to the to the open and do some testing with some players. Uh, was really happy with the results that they saw and the feedback they gave us um, that I think is only going to help us expand into that market more. I read that you guys bought a majority share of even roll putters. Talk about how they fit well with what you guys are doing over at Unicorn. Yeah, we we did. And it's been um, it's been great. So I'm located in Carlsbad. And so even roll has an office a few miles from my house. So I, I spend about two days a week there and about three days a week in the Unicor office, which is in Irvine, about 40 miles from here. Um, and, you know, I think the the marriage is great because it's all about engineering the finest products out there and built on technology. So I've gotten to know Garen Reif extremely well and, you know, are diving into that business and seeing how we can draw from one another um, to help grow both businesses. But it's it's been a great acquisition and we're really proud to have them. And you started using a, an even roll putter because I got to tell you, their sweet face technology, which boasts of almost no dispersion pattern, regardless of where you hit the ball on the putter face, really caught my attention. As a guy who doesn't always strike the ball in the center of the putter face, boy, that seems like a fantastic uh, line of putters that they have. Yeah, no, like uh, I think it was probably day two or day three. I had already scheduled a fitting and and went into the office. And yeah, one is in play. And I'm, I'm, you know, shocked at just the, the look of the ball coming off the face, the distance control that has changed for me. Um, and I do a lot, lot of putting my, the last company I was with focuses on short game and I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself for not having switched to an even roll prior to, you know, about a month and a half ago. So, Greg, now every avid golfer listening, I'm sure, has pulled up the unicorn.com website while we've been talking and are saying to themselves, like I did, man, I want one of those simulators, whether it's in my basement, my garage, in my game room, wherever. Talk about how they can make that happen. Yeah, you know, we we can we can help set you up with custom builders. We can help give you advice on based on your space requirements or room requirements, what would be the best for you. Um, and what I've discovered since joining is the ability to kind of flex based on the end user's needs. So if you are someone who who will grab their wants to grab their launch monitor and go to the range, then you should go the mini route. If you're someone who has an unbelievable basement or garage setup with tall enough ceilings, overhead is probably the way to go. And you can train 365 or play golf, you know, every day of the year. At a, at a really, really great price point, you know, as compared to joining a club or playing every weekend at a, at a high-end facility. So what's on the horizon for you guys? What's next? Good question. Um, continuously try to improve our products and introduce game changers. You know, we, we do take the feedback thing very seriously. So we gather feedback quite a bit. Our support team logs it and we go back to the engineers very regularly and and ask questions. Can we do this? Should we do this? Um, and then my team and my role with along with the sales team is, you know, constantly talking to customers and end users, figuring out what we can do to make an even better product. So lots of good stuff on the horizons. If you, if you check out QED Golf, which is the Korean unicorn, if you will, um, 
you know, you, you'll see some foreshadowing of some unbelievable things that will likely end up in this market. Greg, before I let you go, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things you guys are doing, whether it's following you online or it's on social media? Yeah, I would say follow our social channels. Um, we are just starting to to get out there more in terms of spreading our message. Um, so I appreciate you you having us on here. But Unicor.com, um, even Raw is an unbelievable site too. And on all of our social channels, try to stay on top of things. And that's how we would uh, contact consumers or that you can get in contact with us via direct message or uh, via our website. Well, Greg, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come and educate us a bit about the great things that you guys are doing. I hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. Give us an update on what is coming up on the horizon, anything new that you guys are coming out with, because your stuff looks fantastic, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate it, Chris, and and, and love what you do, and uh, I'm an avid listener and follower. I appreciate that very much. Greg, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Like I said, I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon. Yeah, would love to. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Greg. Folks, that is Greg Sabella. And again, the company is called Unicor. U-N-E-E-K-O-R is the spelling of Unicor. And they're out there doing some fantastic stuff. You look at their this iMini. I mean, everybody wants one of those things out at the driving range with them. All the great data that you're going to get from that help your golf game improve pretty quickly. And then when you see the simulators, you're going to be dying like I was. When I saw and went out on their website and saw their simulators, I thought, oh, my goodness, I got to get one of these for for the basement. It's just it's so good. And to Greg's point, the opportunity to not only keep your game in shape 365 days a year for for those of you that live in the northern part of the country, maybe the, your your golf season isn't as long as it is for us down in the, here in the southeast. Now you've got an opportunity to really have, a, a, a lot of fun, and B, keep that golf swing in tune all winter long so you're not shaking the rust off when it comes to springtime. How great is that? And when you see how beautiful the picture is and and all the things you're going to get from it, man, you're just going to be dying to have one in your basement or wherever you might have space for it. Like Greg said, it's fantastic stuff. And then I'm telling you, these even roll putters, I went on their site and started looking around at what they can do. And you talk about being able to have a very consistent, predictable roll if you're not hitting it right in the center of the putter face, no dispersion pattern. How much better is that going to be for you? Like, look, we've talked about forever with Tom Patry and the and the great instructors that we have here on the show about where do we lose strokes? And it's from 100 yards in. And how many times are we three putting? If you could be very consistent, regardless of where you're hitting it on the face and the ball's going to go where you're aiming, how many strokes is that going to save you? How much How much better are you going to play? How much more fun are you going to have? How much more of your buddy's money on the 19th hole are you going to be taking? That's fantastic stuff. So they are doing a lot of really great things. And I'm privileged that Greg spent some time with us tonight. And like I say, hopefully we get the privilege of having him back on the show again soon. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. My sincere thanks again to Rob Strano, Brian Jacobs, Eric Johnson, and Greg Sabella for joining me this week. Scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry, will be back. As well, former tour player Bob Friend Jr. And Bob always makes the segment so much fun, so looking forward to catching up with him. One of the top junior instructors in our game, Michelle Holmes, will also be back. Looking forward to catching up with Michelle. As will Luke Nyland. 
Luke is the owner of Whiskey Run Golf Club up in Port Colborne, Ontario. So really looking forward to having him as part of the show. The course is fantastic, and they're also doing some really cool things with technology. So looking forward to hearing all of that from Luke. So it's going to be a really fun show, folks. I hope you come back and be a part of it with us. And folks, you can find this show available as a podcast just about anywhere you get your podcast content. In particular, we're out there on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audioboom, Player.fm, and Good Pods. And my thanks to the folks over at Good Pods for making this show one of their recommended podcasts. So please go online and download their free app and then stream your favorite podcast right there on whatever favorite device that you use to listen to your podcasting content. But most of all, my sincere thanks to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.